0: GM and welcome to episode 3 of Probably Nothing. Today, our guest is Keith Grossman, the president of Time Magazine. Now you might be wondering, what does a magazine have to do with Web3? That's what Keith set to find out when he began to dive into the world of NFTs and crypto. Keith admits he was a newbie at first, but unlike most, he used it to his advantage. In this episode, we dive into the three things that Keith recommends doing if you're just getting started in Web3, how Time Magazine plans to incorporate aspects like NFTs, and how NFT projects are changing traditional business models, especially for public figures. As always, Don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Subscribe and share this on social media to help others learn more about Web3. Feel free to tag me at tzong and at Alexis Ohanian.
1: I love what you're building, Tiffany. I think that it's, I think this is a really important podcast. I actually, I think this is the single most important podcast in the space for education. So how are you? Are you back home? I am, I am. I was on,
2: I was on dad duty uh you could busy house these days uh <laughs> and so, so leave early. I had to leave early she's doing well she should be napping right now
0: is she gonna make uh, a cameo one of these days or what she will.
2: she will she will this is you got you all haven't even seen the like hardcore setup i have uh here uh back in florida but um She'll, she'll stumble through. She helps make all of my NFT investments. Hold on, hold on,
1: hold on, hold on. You and I had this conversation, I think on Twitter. It's Ellie, my daughter, who's turning eight. Yes. She helps you. Yes. She literally walked in one day and I had OpenSea up and I had the cool cats up and she's like, I love those. And then I'm like, what do you love about them? And she's like, they're just so cute. And then all of a sudden in my mind, like it went, wow there's going to be so much great IP that comes out of this NFT space, like no other. Right. And it's like, you see it. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what do you think of these? And I hold open up the Robotos, and she's like, I love those. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what do you love about them? And she's like, it reminds me of math and science. And so I'm like, oh my God, And I start thinking about this. And I'm like, just like, it's really incredible when you start to see it. And that was actually like one of the big impetuses of it because I was like, huh, there's a, nft play that time could do with the cool cats which we ultimately did but then i was like there's a bigger ip play that we could do with them as it relates to time studios and time for kids and, and oh, yeah whatnot. and it's like I, I just look at this face and then you look at a right and like micah johnson and you're just like wow like, like this is transformative in terms of the ability to get great content out you know community community endorsed content from the get-go
2: and it's wild because it is it is de-risked in that you already have this community of people who are interested. To your point, right? It's endorsed, but then the community also has a stake in it, right? The community actually is doubly incentivized to see it be successful, not just because it feels good and because they like it, but because they actually own a portion of it, right? That's upside. That is meaningful, and we've seen that psychology work. I, my entire NFT NYC talk was. These are all the same feelings of Reddit, and obviously we we cross paths there, Keith. Um, It's all the same feelings, except the best tools I had back then in 2005 were lessons I learned running a PHP BB forum through high school. That's uh, like before
0: my times. I don't even know what the words you just said were. Alexis. It it was an
2: open source (laughs) message board software. That is humbling. Uh, but it was just a janky message board that I ran, and I saw the power of community between strangers to talk about news and what was going on. But then, in designing everything from like the upvotes and the downvotes to karma score, we, we lifted the name from Slash. um And then I was inspired by GoldenEye, the N sixty four game, for the awards at the end of every match, and that's how I came up with the daily awards on Reddit. And all of those internet points were enough to convince people to to create something that now has you know billions of dollars in value and hundreds of millions of users, in addition to community. But now with web three, we know the community thing is is a given. Everyone now knows you can build these things online at scale and they believe it. But now there's ownership. And
1: so those internet points are really real. Well, and hold on, and okay. it just changes everything. So first off. Tiffany, since you're like, I'm not going there. I don't know what you're talking about, Alexis. Like, have you ever watched Alexis's TED Talk, How the oh, Internet? Splashy pants, Mr. Wow, splashy throwback. pants. No, have you ever seen wh- Mr. Splashy what? pants?
0: No. Right.
1: So Tiffany's too cool I, to watch I, TED Talks. I I
0: watched TikToks. Not TED Hold
1: Talks. On, no, 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 no. Hold on, Tiffany. If I, if you promise me one thing, this is this right? I I've made people watch this one a hundred times over in every place I've been at, at Wired, at ours, at Bloomberg, at Time. And like, it's a, it's a very simple story. And Alexis, keep me sort of kosher on this one. Like uh, Greenpeace came out and they, they did a vote on how they were going to sort of preserve like whaling in Japan and like help the whales in Japan. And they put out these like four names. And like, one was like this beautiful name that translated to like harmony. And one was this like incredible name that translated to like peace. One was this beautifully thought out name that translated to like tranquility. And then like one was Mr. Splashy Pants. And like the internet, and they put it for a vote and the internet voted for Mr. Splashy Pants. But like Greenpeace wasn't ready for it. But Greenpeace wasn't Great. ready for it. And so they said, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna extend the voting. And all that did was, it got the internet really riled up and like communities started to form around the idea of getting Mr. events. So they extended it and Mr. Splashypants was even further. And then all of a sudden Greenpeace was like, we can't do Mr. Splashy pants So Mr. Splashypants became like an angry Mr. Splashy pants. And it was like this incredible yes. evolution that took place. And I bring this example up because like Web2 Farouk, I don't know if you know Farouk Sarmad.
0: Of course. Farouk has this
1: great tweet, right? He had this great tweet, He goes, web two is platform creator community, web three is community creator platform, right? And so all of a sudden you see this like shift, but what you just said to me is like the best because we're moving from being online renters to online owners. And that transition is the biggest tectonic shift you can even wrap your head around because when you own something, you have a vested interest in it, it's a badge, it like becomes an asset of yours that you wanna start to promote at a a level that is so genuine to who you are, right, as a person. And then you add that in to how human behavior acts and you all of a sudden are gonna see I think more Web3 companies over the next few years buy Web2 companies, right? Or take Of course. A it's it's 100. Web3 companies are
0: going to buy Web2 companies, and Web3 companies are going to buy other Web3 companies. That's what we're going to see.
1: By the way, I didn't even realize this, but look at my mug. Of course. Do you see this?
0: It's so, so I, cute. It,
1: okay, so this is a cool cat. Is
0: that your cool cat? No,
1: no, no so... A really dear friend of mine, Amir Soleimani, who goes by Atman Dwar, has what's called the NFT Guild. This is his cool cat. It's his colors, And then he has, it says disguised NFT Guild member, right? And I didn't even realize it when I got on this call that this was my mug that I was talking to you with, right? I normally have my time mug, I normally have everything else, but like, th- look, this is how it's actually penetrated into my life, right? and and it's and i'm just purely now marketing the cool cats keith is show. gmi
0: everyone keith is gmi
2: <laughs> okay so true story and then we'll actually set this up and then we could get into stuff with time cuz this is very cool cuz this is right traditional media i mean this, the story of reddit's initial acquisition was commonly asked acquiring this thing that they didn't really fully understand in 2006 i had my reasons for selling i won't go into those here clearly sold very early but i got a second chance in 2014 so don't feel bad for me but (laughs) i the first fight
1: wait don't feel bad for me
2: (laughs) but the the first fight that i had with my co-founder steve building reddit was like two months in i wanted to create merch to sell to our users because i i saw these people in the comments and i really believed like if someone would be willing to put on a shirt or something to represent us they would care it would it would build this this community even faster because like this is valuable real estate right your torso like that's your walking billboard and it was a huge fight thankfully i won because that's at the end of the day the ceo gets to make those those tough calls about whether or not to buy merch and I printed like 500 t shirts, red t shirts. And, and at the time, it was really hard to sell stuff on the internet because there was no Stripe, there was no Shopify. I had to find it, was, I used PayPal code to do a janky, like, credit card acceptance page. Anyway, put it up, sold out within a day. And I went to the post office the next day with a giant garbage bag. I packed every one of them myself, a the giant garbage bag full of shirts that we were mailing out. And, what it showed me in that moment was even for this tiny site, it was two dudes in an apartment, like people in 2005 cared enough to have this sense of identity. So while I'm watching this stuff unfold around these PFPs, I, I feel like I'm flashing back to 16 years ago, except now every one of those community members has something of real tangible value. Now, no offense, if someone owns that shirt, maybe you could flip it on eBay for something. I mean, maybe, you have to tie
0: the shirt. The limited edition or OG shirt to an NFT now, Alexis, and that's like on, a badge so, of honor for people who were so early. They bought the first batch of merch, right?
2: So, and, and they were so valuable. But you
0: all can the, actually po-ops, the poops, the yeah,
1: poops. So look at this. So, so this is a yes, real stop. poop. Look at this. It's a real poop that Patricio <laughs> made for us. Okay but um, and people were wearing them like and he gave me a bag of them for like he gave me 300 of them i didn't know what was going to happen i went around with them in my pocket at nftnyc i this is the last one i have you go to the back so that way it could then all of a sudden be scanned into a yep. digital wallet
0: right?
1: but like this is as far yeah. as like i like it's amazing because this po-op gives somebody the ability to physically badge then they promote they self promote and they feel like they have ownership stake in it and it's a beautiful piece of organic endorsement and marketing at the same time
2: yes and and just for for folks who are listening right this is like a, this is a piece of paper that has i mean some art on it but essentially it's a, a proof of attendance protocol yeah and and here here's the digital incarnation of the ticket stub it's the digital and you can see right in the analog world You can find graded ticket stubs from like the first Rolling Stones concert or, you know, LeBron's first game uh, in the NBA. Like we as a species already go out of our way to try to find the physical version of this thing to have value. So if you think this is weird, it's not. We've been doing this for a while. The user experience was terrible before, and now it just got a whole hell of a lot better. And, And Keith, you're doing it bridging a brand like time which is as old as time huh. <laughs> Good one. I
0: had
2: to, I had to in old school media brand, dude, Keith, like, how did you get this? Like Benioff is ultimately the owner of, of time yes. now. Right. So Mark, did you tell Lynn, Mark, like, Hey Mark, I got no, no, a crazy no, no, idea. No,
1: trust no, me. no, no, no. So, so it, trust me did come across the, the, the words, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but no, no, no. So, I mean, Mark and Lynn bought time three years ago, right i've been at time for a little over two years and when i joined i asked them why did you buy this brand and they said they felt that the world was becoming increasingly divisive and they didn't like the state of media and they wanted to make sure that a brand that had sort of objective purpose could navigate you know the next few years and they wanted to be able to put it in a a position to be able to survive another hundred years so that way people like the red border would be around for another hundred years and they realized that it wouldn't just be, you know, the same way that it existed for 98 years. Because if you think about like, just take in any company that's been hundred years old, like a GE or an IBM, like they've reinvented themselves numerous times. Like time has not reinvented itself in 98 years, right? Like it's always been Time Magazine. And so it was like, how do we start to think about what the next sort of 98 years would look like? And so, you know, a lot sort of led up and I wish I could be like, I had this brilliant foresight to bring crypto into time, but there was no plan for that. It really comes from a few things. One, and this is why I actually love being invited onto this podcast and Alexis, you knowing me from like essentially 2004, right? Tiffany, I'm just this dorky Jewish guy who likes technology and business and art and (laughs) and crypto. And, and I've and I loved the crypto space since 2013 when Wired started to write about it and Ars Technica started to write about it and I started to see it emerge. And yes. And, and I always liked it, but what brought time into it was a note from Mark one night. And the note was, it started off, it said, I have a crazy idea, did you see this? And he sent a link to the Nyon cat um uh sale that took place so so this is actually what brought time into the space was i'm looking at the article and i had seen it and i just looked at it you know when all of a sudden everything in your mind clicks i go Mm -hmm. we could do that and mark and edward were like what do you mean and i said um let me ask you a question do you do you understand why a cat with the body of a pop tart (laughs) <laughs> farting a rainbow just sold for 600000 and everyone was like, no. And, and I said, I said, we could do this. And um, coincidentally, a week earlier, I was on Twitter and somebody said, somebody had sent me a tweet from somebody in New Jersey that said, I inherited all these time magazines. I don't know what to do with them and I don't want to throw them away. And they're from like the 1940s up through, you know, 1980. And so I wrote back to the person. I go, "I'll take them off your hands." And the person couldn't believe that the like president of Time would write that on Twitter to them. And so I, I drove out. I just was so I was so sick of being in the city. I drove out to New Jersey and I picked up these and I gave the guy just a free subscription to Time in return for them. And I take all these issues back, and they're like in our apartment and they're on my floor in my home office in this room, and uh, which Alexis, hopefully, it makes you smile when you see what's behind me, like 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 all those. And um, I'm looking at it and I go, I know exactly what we have to launch with. We have to launch with a collection and the collection has to be something that was iconic, right? So I was looking at the, is God dead cover from 1965. It has to have multiples. So there was, is truth dead from 2012. And then I went to DW pine and I said, would you create a special cover is Fiat dead and like, and Mm -hmm. and do it in the same on. And so we launched with this collection on super rare. And there were three people that were really helpful in helping me shape my thinking on this was Guy Ossieri, Mark Rubin, and Anthony Pompliano, right? And they they all kept on telling me to think more than just the one-off art collections. So on March 23rd, I said, we're gonna do a super rare auction of these one of one pieces. And then, um, Uh, I said, within 30 days, we're going to accept cryptocurrency on time.com. And we did it within 28 days. And people were like, why would you do that? And my argument was, think about the funnel, right, that we have, right? Like right now, if you're a traditional media company, the only way that you can accept payment is cash, if it's at a retail. Right, credit card or check. And believe it or not, like as crazy as it sounds, people, a lot of people still pay for subscriptions in check. So our funnel is like this big. And for people who are listening on the podcast, I, I, my hands are about two inches apart. When you can accept <laughs> Isn't it a small funnel.
2: funnel, a very small funnel.
1: It's a very small funnel. But when you all of a sudden say I'm willing to accept 32 different cryptocurrencies for digital subscriptions, then all of a sudden that funnel expands from two inches apart to about 12 inches apart. And you just open it up. And what you do when you're a brand like time is, is you're validating a space just as much as you are opening up your funnel. And so the third thing I said in this article in March 23rd, that Julia LaRoche you know, wrote was, um, we're going to use the technology of NFTs and a blockchain and figure out how to change the consumer relationship. And I had no clue how, but that was the beginning of time pieces, right? Was the idea was, how can we use a token to all of a sudden create a better user experience and give people more of an ownership feeling as it relates to time and so when that came out i got more texts and alexis i think you've been in this space before where i got more texts from people in the industry asking if it was an april fool's joke what (laughs) it was seriously because it came out on march 23rd people were like you did you lose your mind and then on wednesday that night somebody said to me, if you make more than $5,000 on this sale, I'll buy you lunch. And, uh, and that evening we did $440,000 in sales. And then that following week we did another million and, and that sort of started us down this one of one path. And then I just sat in clubhouse rooms and in spaces rooms. And I started to listen to the community and absorb and one day it just dawned on me how time pieces could come about and start to evolve and that that's and it was really the community and listening to people like you know artists like thank you x and jay and silva pulling people up and was what inspired the idea of invite an artist in and then all of a sudden let that artist invite a person in it was watching certain people come into the space and do money grabs that that inspired the mm. Been split with the creatives that we have with timepieces. I don't know if you know that, but like we split all revenues, primary and secondary sales, 50 50 with all of the creatives. Uh, and then it was uh, just the idea of putting a connect to your wallet feature on time.com and allowing it to access whether or not you have a timepiece that, that I was like, wow, this could actually provide frictionless sort of interaction to a Web2 ecosystem. You know using web 3 and, and that bridge is going to be important for some quite some time
2: oh keith i mean it's it is special i mean we now we we might take it for granted now that mcdonald's has a mcrib nft i
1: but love you that you all logo.
2: you know it's, it's great for the ecosystem look at the end of the day you well, all Nike, yeah,
1: nike's announcement was huge for the for the ecosystem huge
2: Big, big, big. But y'all were, y'all were thoughtful about it. And I appreciate it, especially whether it's the revenue split with the artists that you invited for the collabs or even just taking the time to listen, keep. Cause like the reality is a lot of people hit me up. I know Tiffany too, trying to say, Hey, I want to get into this. What do I do? What do I do? And they're, they're thinking with short-term greed a lot. Yep. And I tell them straight up, I'm like, yep. be long-term greed. That is how you win. Because if you're creating long-term value for everyone in the community, for everyone who's a part of your project, if you're thinking holistically long-term, you will actually make more money. You will actually build a, an empire. But, but people get so tempted to go for the quick and the short-term and they don't want to sit and listen and they don't want to actually understand the community. But it's like-
0: And join the communities. You got to like immerse yourself. And I think Keith did a good job and, and so have you. Joining these Twitter spaces, joining the clubhouse rooms and like actually, and, and Gary Vee too, right? Instead of just like, hey, I'm in here so, for a minute and I'm dipping out, right? It's long-term games with long-term people. Everyone needs to think that way.
1: I, I, have, to, I have to give Gary V credit. I sent him a text message three weeks before Time Pieces came out one night. And I said, I've spent the last two weeks studying all of these communities on Excel spreadsheets, this is how dorky I am, I broke them all down on Excel spreadsheets to understand how all the communities worked with no emotion. And, and I said, I've spent the past two weeks studying all these communities numerically, and I really studied V friends and what you did, I find it so impressive. And I'm going to steal a lot of what you did and I'm going to implement it myself, but I'm going to always give you credit, which is what I want to do now. I want to just give Gary B credit, right? Like I'm going to always give you credit for it because I think that he set a really good path forward. And I actually on my screen right now, and, and Alexis, I'm just bringing this up because I think it's super important. Um, with time pieces in our discord channel on every week we hold a town hall where we give an update on where we're going. And I said, this, this is exactly what I said today. So I first started off in the timepiece discord where I said, I'm not going to talk about price. I'm not going to talk about floor price. I'm not going to go to celebrities and ask for tweets. I'm not going to market it. I'm not, I'm going to organically grow it. And we're going to think very long-term and, and it's, you know, the, the team is very small. It's myself, an individual that Alexis knows, who's one of the smartest people on the planet. Maya Drazen, um, uh, it's, and, and yeah, Maya, 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 ah, Maya's Maya amazing. Maya runs the community. She is, she is like, she does. And, and so like, Mm -hmm. and, but you see like that reaction, of course she does. Yes. It's me, Maya Drazen, our CTO, Bharat Krish who has more degrees than I have family members I like to say. And an individual on our team who, you know because she's always super capable of doing everything you know, she just got pulled into it and has done an amazing job named playing little. But what I said today was, this is my exact thing I said, after chatting throughout the past week with everyone, I'm more convinced than ever before that value-based communities are the ones that are going to win in the long-term. And that if you're going to look at what's important to survive in the long-term, my advice to you as a Timepiece member is to consider three things, which is the founders, uh, the community, and the values of the community. And that's why the organic build is important to us. And I think that, you know, we talk, I could talk, I could wax poetic about all the good of this ecosystem. I think is the, I think this is the biggest shift from web two to web three that, that I've ever seen in my entire life. It makes me so excited every day. But at the same time, there's a lot of bad in the ecosystem, right? There's a lot of uh, short-term greed, right? And you see a lot of things emerging uh, and you see tribalism beginning to emerge. And people sort of doing what happens when you have vested interests. But I think at the end of the day, the good in this is, is just so good that, you know, I, it makes me so happy.
2: It's special. It yeah. is special. And, and I'm curious, Keith, cause like I, we, we hinted at it, right? I started right in 2005. We get acquired in 2006, become a part of Con and & Asked. And I, you know, I stuck around for three years. I gave it a college try, did my very best. But I knew I wasn't going to be able to be an employee for the long term. But I met some really cool people there. And what's wild is there's a whole federation of, like, around that time period, people who have gone off to do really dope stuff. So so help help us understand sort of how you got here and maybe why. Sure. Why, why How did this all come about,
1: Keith? Well, well in fairness, so what people don't realize is Reddit, Ars Technica, and Wired all sat on the same floor, and so like we were we were all incestuous in the fact that like we could walk back and forth and talk to each other, and we all liked each other. Like I mean I I I I hope you liked me. I liked you, Lexus. And I, I hope I they liked us. You. Right? I know we like, weren't the easiest to work with. You know, I know. A little and terrarium. Like, and like look like Ken Fisher at ours, in my mind, like one of the smartest people on the planet, Very like, smart guy. you know, like, yeah. um, right now, what we're doing actually with our community and timepieces, I've taken from the Ars Technica playbook, which is Mark gave us a few hires from an engineering perspective to build out the team and and, and from a community perspective to build out the community management. And I said, we are only going to hire from the community. And so like, um, and I love that idea of just only hiring from the community that like supports you builds you because they know like what, what you want to do. And that's what ours technically used to do with their writers and people didn't realize that. Right. They used to pull the writers out of, out of the community. I, the easiest way I can describe it is, is, um, you know, like if you've ever seen Tiffany, have you seen the movie Zoolander or no?
0: Yes, I have. Okay. Awesome. I think so.
1: Okay, and yes. Alexis, you've seen Zoolander, right? I'm like pretty sure Yes. That, right? I feel like it's a, play, it's a movie I've seen on
2: the plane at least once. Okay. I didn't go see oh, it. Come the on,
0: movies. yeah, okay, yeah.
2: And Stiller is listening to
1: this really mad I, at me right now. I, I used to, I used to always describe- Come on, the Blue
0: Steel, Alexis, totally the Blue Steel. Right. Even, I, even I know that. But, but I used
1: to describe the Wired Artist Technica <sighs> and Reddit group, right, on the 19th floor of Four Times Square as like us, us mm-hmm. hand models are different than the Back and Body Boys right? Like we were just our own little like weird, weird piece. And like, what's really interesting is, is like on that floor, you had, you know, like Maya Drazen, who's like with me right now doing this. You had Josh Stinchcombe, who is running the Wall Street Journal right now. You have Jay Loff who, you know, ran Quartz and is now running Charter. You had Alexis Ohanian. You have, I mean, like, it was just like, I mean, like, it was completely amazing to see how sort of the world like went off into all these different directions. I could name so many more people, you know, and like, and they percolated through the media ecosystem. And then I watched like the ethos of this group of people who very early on felt like the crazy people on the hilltop screaming, technology's changing the world, like really begin to take on uh, serious roles. And, you know, I think we've all been, a lot of the, you know, media industry is East Coast based and has an East Coast based mentality and, you know, Reddit, you know, ours and uh, Wired really have a West Coast based mentality and they're very different mentalities. And when you have a bunch of those things colliding on a floor, like I think you had, um, you had <laughs> just like a really good recipe for for inspiration and like I mean, so much of decisions that I make come from like what I grew up sort of learning and reading, like the power of the community from Reddit, the power of the community from ours, the long tail from Wired, the power of crowdsourcing from Wired. I mean, think about like the idea of radical transparency from Wired. Like these were things that, you know, people were not talking about before, but like we were watching them develop. And I think that 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 development led to a lot of how I look at things today. I just feel like it was very special, to be honest. Not to get emotional, Alexis, on your podcast.
2: No, please. please. <laughs> the more emotionally you get, the better the ratings.
1: Really? This is it.
0: Alexis is right. Yeah. Let's, go, let's go deep, guys.
1: Uh, I'm not, I, yeah. So, so, I, so what else? I mean, like, what, what's exciting the two of you right now? If I could take timepieces somewhere, where should I take it? You see the world, both of you.
0: I mean, when I think about time and where you're taking time to the next level, to this next web three world, it's really about how you can have the community involved in as many aspects of the business as possible. Right. And it's, it's very scary. It's a big leap coming from a legacy kind of business, but it's like, how can you help the community have as much say or have as much stake as possible? And like, I'm curious on how you are thinking about that. I have this a friend of mine had this one idea for Times, which is in tw- 2006, you guys did person of the year as you, right? Now, 2022 should be the same, but you can only solidify your status as Times person of the year if you figure out how to mint an NFT, do an open edition mint through 2022. And so everyone is the person of the year, but you have to own an NFT to actually be, to, to flex that which would be pretty cool of uh ownership. Like you feel like you're part of that year, right? Like you actually are part of the year instead of 2006. Sure, you can claim like people joke in their Twitter bios that they were 2006 time person of the year, right? But do, are you actually? So now you can actually show that you were.
1: By the way, you see Yo, I'm writing notes. I, by the way, do you see I'm writing notes right now? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just free juice here. For, oh, free oh, free oh, alpha. That
1: one. <laughs> I just, I That's think good. it's fascinating, you know, you know, one of the things Tiffany that I learned, uh, more than anything else I say to people I studied, I studied this industry for six months before I launched time pieces and, yep. and time pieces has been live for five weeks and I've learned this industry in the past five weeks, right? So I've studied it, but I learned it in the past five weeks and, and the two are two totally different things. And what I learned was the power of the community. And what's really interesting, and we were joking, Lexus, before you got on, that a great business would just be Discord without the sound, without that boop boop, right?
2: <laughs> yes, but, for all of our sanity.
1: And uh, like I've learned from our community so much, and they literally told me when I've been wrong, and we've changed, like we change on the spot. And you know, I would actually say that the community has guided timepieces more than we've guided the community. We've just set the values for the community to adhere to and that's what we're trying to hold but it's it's unbelievable to watch and can i tell like the craziest story like uh, that yes. I've watched, not mm-hmm.
0: yes so
1: like the cra- this is the craziest web the
0: thing. crazier the better case, okay. by the way the crazier the better
1: this <laughs> the craziest web 3. like this is why i love web 3. so we launched And it's a small team, right? We had a lot of people helping like here and there do around, but like the core team is just four of us doing this. And we launch and we have these meetings every morning. And we just, we talk about like what we have to change, what we saw in the suggestions, like what has to evolve, um, what we did right, what we did wrong. And like one of the things that like people were, were frustrated with was that we didn't have a discord channel and right after the minting, that we should have had the Discord channel before the minting, but we were doing, we were balancing so much and we were so resource constrained, we didn't do it. And so I actually, if you look back at tweets said, we're gonna have a Discord channel within the week and within a week of launch. And we actually had a Discord channel within the next 24 hours of that tweet. And what happened was, was um, the next morning, we were planning to talk about who we were gonna contract to help us build the Discord channel very quickly. And Barat Krish comes to our meeting 15 minutes late and he's like, hey, I'm really sorry I'm late. I have to tell you the craziest thing. And I said, what? And uh, he goes, "Um, a timepiece owner in Malaysia built our Discord channel for us, reached out to me and handed me over the code, and everything. And I just spent the morning checking for security flaws in it. And there's no security flaws in it. He just built it. So we're actually live this afternoon. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, it's this, um, individual. He refuses to tell me his name, his identity's uh, Zykes, right. So I reached out to him and I said, can I pay you? He says, no, I don't want anything. And I said, why'd you do it? He goes, I, I'm a timepiece owner. I like what you're doing. I just want you to succeed. And I said, um, I need you to do something. I need you to let me do something for you. I don't like this, right? Like, and he's like, no, no, no. I just want you to succeed. And then I found out that Zykes actually works on NounsDAO. Okay. And so I re- Massive. And so I reached out to 4156 and I said to him, I hear Zykes works for you. I have two questions. One, is that true? And two, are you Zykes? Because 4156, who has always remained anonymous to me, has also given me very good advice over the months and never asked for anything in return. And he said, I'm not Zykes. And Zykes is, and that sounds just like something Zykes would do. And it was, and I, I was going to bed one night and I was so frustrated that this guy was so nice. This individual was so nice and he wouldn't do, any, he wouldn't let me do anything. And I and I, I said something to either 4156 or someone else that they said something about Zykes as an artist in his free time. And so I started searching for Zykes' work as far as I could find. And I found that he had a piece on foundation for sale, but he wouldn't tell me about it. And I looked deep into the metadata and the data said all proceeds from this sale is going to support education for kids in needy countries to program. Right. And so I'm like, this is a really interesting guy. And it was three ETH, three and a half ETH for this piece. And it was the world's smallest NFT. You can see it in my wallet. It's it's <laughs> called the world's smallest NFT. It's just a dot, it's just a dot right? It's just a tiny yeah. And I bought it and I didn't tell him I was going to buy it. So then all of a sudden Zykes reaches out to me and I bought it with my own money personally, not with times money, Wake like with my own. And so I'm like, and Zykes reaches out to me, he goes, why did you buy it? And I said, cause you wouldn't let me give you anything in return, so I wanted to actually show you how much I appreciated you. I go, the only thing is, is you're never gonna get a secondary sale off of this because I'm never gonna sell it for my entire life because I love this piece so much because it shows me the goodwill of the Web3 community in a way that I never wanna forget. And like that story, like to this day just blows my mind. And I have 50 others like that, that I've seen from the timepiece community and from Web3 in general. But like that one, that one always gives me sort of like the, like, I can't believe an individual in Malaysia who I have no relationship with through other than a common belief system and where we believe the world could go with ownership online and communities would do something like that.
0: That's incredible. I mean, people people on the internet are amazing, especially people in the NFT world. But I would say, Keith, you're like the full time president of time and you're like a part-time detective <laughs> was, internet detective I'm, from I'm, this conversation is like what i've gathered
1: I'm, I, and 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 uh, apparently also doing doing time pieces yes it, it's a lot but but i will say alexis has known me forever like nfts is a great business crypto and nfts and web3 is great for insomniac workaholics okay like <laughs>
2: Yeah. Don't forget to take care of yourself because it is a mighty rabbit hole. It is an infinite rabbit hole. And dude, I, it just, it makes me so excited to hear this. These are the stories that I, I don't want to say I took for granted building Reddit, but this, this was what made Reddit work for years. I mean, I, I saw so many acts of kindness from people behind a username who I didn't know, who didn't want any compensation, who were just trying to help us back when I was just some random kid starting a company. And it's so heartening because now it is happening obviously at a much bigger scale and these people are getting a reward in a sense because they are owners and as long as they hold, they see the value grow for the work they put in. And it's what you're experiencing too is going to be the default for every business leader in Web3 because I used to tell people that running Reddit was was as much a job uh, of... Running Reddit was as much being a head of state as it was a head of a company. And, and you had to understand you have a constituency, you have to make, you have to always be sort of balancing business decisions with your community. And they are, not you know, it's not like 90% business, 10% community. It's, it's really pretty, it's like 51%, 49%. It's a tenuous, very delicate relationship. And the new CEO is gonna take this for granted I believe, because these are muscles that you're going to have to exercise. And I think it's good because it'll mean companies will default to be more beholden to their users, to their customers, to their community. But, uh, it's radical,
1: man. This is this, there's no, there's no textbook for this. It's going to change everything. uh, I think everything actually changes. I, somebody brought up a great example last night that I would love your opinion on, and I, because Like, I don't know how to solve what will happen when it comes to the traditional business model of, let's say, marketing and um, and brands and athletes. Okay, so. uh, Let's pretend an athlete is sponsored by Nike. (laughs) Yes, hypothetical. All right. Say, I
0: wonder, yes, I wonder who.
1: No, 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 let's let's not, let's choose a different one. I don't want to do that. Let's pretend an athlete sponsors <laughs> like Adidas, right? I'm just choosing any athlete, <laughs> okay? <right>. And, and, <sighs> and, and And then let's pretend that that athlete takes on a PFP as their avatar. So they have now all of a sudden endorsed a PFP as their avatar. They're part of the community. But, and that's their identity on all of their social media. So the brand of them is that avatar. And then you look at these avatars or you look at these PFPs and there's no way that they stay solely in the NFT space. There's no way CryptoPunks or Bored Apes or cats stay, you know, just here. Like they're moving into mainstream in every level and we're gonna see them in different areas. Then let's say the the PFP, strikes a partnership with a brand that's competitive with the brand that the athlete has signed an endorsement with. But the athlete is endorsed by Adidas and then let's say the apes are endorsed by Nike. What happens in that? This
0: is a very, very tricky predicament.
1: What happens? Wow. Like, hold on, somebody brought it up to me last night an individual that I met through the community, his name's Nizer.eth, right? Like I love being a .eth mm-hmm. by the way. It's a great family to be part of, right? The .eth fam. Um, like, cool. but Nizer, Nizer brought it up to me last night and I have been thinking about this for the past 24 hours. It was like a riddle in my mind of, I don't know how that works. And I thought the two of you could help me solve that. Well, okay. I think
2: you know, I very uh, publicly displayed one of the seven crypto punks that I bought that looked like my wife. And part of my thinking behind that was she has for her entire career imbued other brands like a swoosh with her value, right? That the the swoosh collected all those wins, all those grand samples, everything. Crypto punks already had a poor fan base. I couldn't find one that looked like me, which was a weird experience as a white dude with a beard because everything's designed to look like me. I can't, I can't <laughs> and, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And like so the I was like, okay, well, well.
1: Better it's not right. It's, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and then I found this one that looked like her and I thought, okay, perfect. Gifted her one, grabbed another uh, six to hang on to. And I realized, okay, by making this statement, she is now going to confer that value of like her reputation, her brand now married to this, like, like core foundational piece of art. And that's powerful because now that asset stays in our family for generations. And oh, like. for generations, she has something that isn't doesn't belong to Nike shareholders. It belongs to, to her. It belongs to our family. But but so in the event of this sneaker scenario, like I actually think I actually think brands in the future end up making deals with the individual as well as with uh, uh, the avatar version of that individual. And we just get comfortable understanding that there are two selves and eventually longer term. And this was a question I remember of the famous VC asked when I was fundraising, like, what is the thing about the world that you don't understand or that you know that no one else understands yet? And it was that even on, on Reddit, it was clear to me that people cared more about their username identity than their government name and that it would be inevitable that we would all eventually care as much or more about a totally constructed artificial name, identity, et cetera. And now as we're seeing more and more use cases, I I think you're gonna, sport is one area where it's still like, outside of esports, right? You're you're gonna have to be a physical person running on a court or doing a thing. So you'll still have, I think, sort of personal value or sort of identity (laughs) value in your physical self. But in the vast majority of arenas where people are going to build reputation and build following and build clout, it's going to be digital. And, and then it'll come down to the rights rights conferred by the program. Because, like, I don't know, Bored Apes actually own the copyright to their ape. Uh, CryptoPunks, they, LarvaLabs, own the rights to those punks. So it'll, it'll vary in those cases. But, like, if LarvaLabs does a deal with Adidas because the Board Apes program gives the copyright owners, like if you own the Board Ape, you own the copyright, do whatever the hell you want with it. You, you can strike your own brand deal. Whereas like Larva Labs, they own the rights to the, the, the punks. When, if Larva Labs does a deal, when punks go into the metaverse with Adidas, then the Serena punk is wearing Adidas because that's, and, and Nike's, Nike didn't sign a deal with the Serena punk, Nike signed a deal with Serena the human. And so that's gonna go into contracts for sure. And I, I'm sure there'll be some messiness in between, But long-term, you know, the Serena avatar doesn't ever need to take a day off. The Serena avatar, it lives forever. The Serena avatar can be anywhere you could telegraph, teleporter. Like, there's way more value in the avatar version uh, in the next 10, 20, 50, 100 years.
1: So, So it's so funny that you say that. I think that one of the, I think there's moments in this evolution we'll look back at that are really pivotal moments.
0: The other day...
1: I thought when um, Patricio, the CEO of Poop offered Richard, the head of Manifold, uh, $9.5 million for his CryptoPunk and Richard said no. And I, people who didn't like it, I felt that people fell into two camps. Those who were like, of course he said no. I fell into like, I'm like, of course he said no. That's his entire brand. This is his identity. That would be like, yep. like that's like present. He's, he's essentially present valuing Manifold at $9.5 million. And, and so of course he said no. And then there were people who were like, what? How could he say no? That's crazy. But like, I, I, like, I, I agree with what you say there, but I think that that's one of those moments where like, I think people will look back at that offer you know, and just say that was like, that's a really turning defining moment and people realizing how important brand identity is and identity online is.
0: Yeah, brand identity and provenance is going to be something really interesting, right? It's going to be valuable if someone were to own the Richard Punk someday, right? Like that's a Flex or an Alexis Punk or Keith Punk, right? Like
1: my cool cat is tied to my identity.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, My cool cat is 100% tied to my identity now all across the internet and everything I do. I would never sell it ever because it's just, now my brand, my identity. If someone takes that cool cat, like if I sold it and someone takes my cool cat and uses it as their PFP, people will think that's me talking, right? And that's a that's a brand identity thing to think about uh, for people who are really thinking long-term about how they're branding themselves in the space. Cause this space is just getting started.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I, the one thing I always say to people is, is every day that goes by, someone is converted into this space at a far higher ratio than someone is being converted out of this space. If anyone is even being converted out of this space, this space is one of those spaces that when, when you see it, it's so clear when you sort of, when it moves from sort of logical to emotional back to logical, but if it makes that transition, then all of a sudden it, it, you're sort of there and you got it. And um, I, I mean, it's, it's so utterly fascinating.
0: Keith, so our apprentice has this question, has this dying question for you, which is... Is Lulu? How did you get into... Lulu? Okay. So She has this question, which is, how did you get into NFTs, <clears throat> especially as a boomer, which I know you're not, but she's categorizing you as such, I'm, so, I'm and asking, she really wants to
1: know. So, so, So I appreciate it. First off, Lulu, I'm not a boomer. I'm what's technically called an aging millennial. Okay, I'm at that end. Geriatric end.
0: millennial, the I'm two a, of you? I'm both a geriatric
1: geriatrics. Millennial. Okay, for the record. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, ooh, what was my first so so I became very good friends with the individual who purchased the first time drop, his name's Amir Solmani, and he sent me my first NFT ever, which I have right over here. Hold on, I'll show it to you. He sent it to me framed can you see it it's hold on it's just this and he sent me the digital and i loved it and then i started looking at it at the nft space and i'll never forget this i got a text from Farouk, and he said you should check out the cool cats and i bought a cool cat at like 0.78 And the one I bought one that looks like me, my forever cat, right? Like it had like a big bushy hair, right? Like you know, and and it has a smirky face on it, and her. And I'm with my daughter after I bought it, and we're we're going to like uh, we're walking around the city, and I'm reading on Twitter somebody being like, "I just sold my cool cat to the president of Time. What a fucking idiot. it's point seven (laughs) eighty, right? It was like it's it's so funny. No, it it was so funny. It was so funny, and people were like." Wow, he overpaid. This is blah 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 blah. And I'm sitting there like I'm like, this is great. Right? And then I started to really look at it. And one day I just kept on listening to it was it was it was Clubhouse at the time. I was just listening to it, and a dear friend of mine who unfortunately passed, Jin said, You should speak to an artist named Friender. And I spoke to, to Fred on the phone and and I just asked him, like, how should I think about the space? And he's like, you can't be an outsider; you have to just buy a piece and to understand what the what it feels like to own a piece of art and to connect with an artist that you really respect yeah. and like. And so I was sitting there thinking, like, which artist do I really respect and like? And there's this artist uh, named Thank You X. His name is Ryan, and. Um, Ryan's
0: gonna be on the pod soon.
1: Okay, awesome. I
0: Art Basel.
1: So let me tell you something. Ryan is a really special individual because the number of people that Ryan pulled up. So in time pieces, we invited 20 artists in and we said to the 20 artists, you as an invitee of time can pull in an artist that I don't know, or DW doesn't know, and we will not stop you. And they will get all of the same benefits that you get, but we want to be able to build a better future by allowing you to pull up an artist. And that influence came from Ryan. It was Ryan and Jay and Silva who really did it because I kept on hearing them say that about Ryan. And I just liked Ryan's work so much and I liked him as a human being so much. So I bought this piece of his and I just kept on staring at it on my screen. And what I realized was, wow, like I own a piece of art and it's gorgeous. And mm. I own it and I I'll, and I know the artist. And it's really a different relationship in the space where there's no more sort of barriers between creator and collector. And so I started to slowly, I mean, if you look at my wallet and I keep it public, right? like. I just buy pieces that talk to me that I respect the artists that I think, you know, like that have an emotional connection to me in one way or another. But what I love about this space is especially as it relates to art is there's this artist, his name's Billy Alter and like he doesn't sell his art for that expensive, right? It's not expensive at all, but he's based out of Mexico. And prior to the web three sort of evolution, Billy's work, was probably relegated solely to local economies and local local valuations and local communities. But now he could revalue his work to global economies, global communities, and uh, global collectors. And without me ever meeting Billy, by the way, yesterday I met Billy for the first time in New York and what I could tell you is in real life hugs are so much better than metaverse hugs, no matter how nice people <laughs> are. But like yesterday I met Billy in real life And it was such a great feeling because I love his work so much, but he's based out of Mexico. I would have never met him if it wasn't for this space. And I've gotten to know him as a person through spaces. And then I got to respect his art and understand the emotion that goes into the art. And like owning Billy's work to me is sort of like owning a piece of Billy. And there are pieces that I own that I would just never sell, right? No matter how much they go up. With the PFPs though, completely different i relate to pfps based on the values of the communities and so like if you really look at the pfps i own like i own cool cats i own robottos and i own dead fellas and when you look at the founders of those communities i evaluate them as i would like a democratized series a right so it's like i'm like oh like Khan, evan tom link at cool cats they're smart they're strategic. They're thinking about this every day. Like Pablo Stanley at Roboto's, he's smart and he's really well-respected. He's thinking about this. He's surrounding himself with good people. Betty and Psych. if you've ever talked to Betty, I wouldn't bet against them.
0: I'm so excited to have Betty on the podcast. She's also lined up because she has an incredible story from what I've seen on Twitter. She and
1: incredible. And it's I gonna it's, be but great. this is my point, right? Like I wouldn't bet against Betty. And so then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, look at the founders, right? And this goes back to what I said in the beginning, long-term survival based on founders, community, and values, right? And then I'm like, what's the communities? It's ironic, all three of those communities, the cats, the dead fellows, and the robados, all optimistic, all positive, all have a give back or give first sort of perspective on how they, they work with each other, all provide constructive feedback to each other. And then, you know, you look at the values of these, these individuals and they're, they're just really stand-up individuals with stand-up values as a community. And I'm like, and the art is good. Like, it's just fun, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, and so that's how I got into the PFPs, which is a completely different mindset than how I get into the art, if that makes sense.
2: I love, love this story, Keith, because I think there's a lot of people listening who probably feel a lot like you. And, and that advice of just diving in and needing to experience it yourself is so crucial. And, and you don't have to go in, you don't have to start with a crypto punk, right? Spend some time on OpenSea, spend some time on these platforms and just find something that speaks to you and, and is in a price range that you know
1: you can... Get into. Don't, and and don't- What's the
0: first three things that you would suggest someone who doesn't own an NFT to do right now to immerse themselves into the community and to start understanding besides listening to this podcast, which... You are already listening, to it, you're so. listening to
1: it, so. Right? Yeah. Well, is it live? The podcast? Is no, it, it's okay. not live. Okay. Good. Okay. Okay. Well, it's probably um, nothing. Okay. Yeah. I would say. I mean, the first thing I would say is, is um, take an amount of money that you have, just a small amount, convert it into Ethereum, and and don't do anything for uh, two weeks, and just watch watch what like a two-week flow of owning ethereum is like because that two weeks twenty dollars could all of a sudden become twenty four dollars twenty dollars could become twelve dollars twelve dollars could become twenty eight dollars but like just allow yourself to to have the stomach to sort of go up and down and see and understand that that's a normal fluctuation within sort of this space and that it's just part of it as it's as it's naturalizing the second I would say is go on to spaces and just listen, like really listen and and listen to the people who are um, talking, but listen with like, why are they saying what they're saying? Like what's their bias, right? Mm. I do think that like, we do need to implement in the, in the space, some sort of code of ethics mm. that states at the highest level, right? Like if you are an owner of something you should disclose that you're an owner of something if you're going to whack poetic about your ownership of something i think that will eventually come but i think that like it it should come sooner but i think you should just listen to the spaces and 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 you should hear if 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 it's art that you want or if it's if it's one of the pfps that you want you should hear what what are those like if it's a pfp you should be on in the discord channel just watching what are those conversations like are these people that you want to associate with right because a lot of what this movement is about is, is reconnecting social circles on a global level, right? With like-minded people who have like-minded values. It's not about the image, it's about the community below the image, right? And that the image ultimately represents p- participation or status within the community. And then the third is, is whatever you buy expected to go to zero. The reason I say that is, is I, I very much worry about people who think that this will go up forever this will not go up forever. There will be a moment where correction will take place. And people have to brace for that. And the reality is, is that the macro trend of web three is very real, moving towards a ownership um, uh, sort of state on the internet. But along that way, there's going to be ups and downs. And out of it come will come great companies and great brands. So like I think that this is long term the greatest thing on the planet but I worry that that there's so much fear of missing out that takes place sometimes and there's so much and and the pace of of web3 is so fast that I would simply say and it's and whoever listens to this that knows me I know I'm going to get a text message afterwards being like you hypocrite. I would say when you want to speed up in this in, in this space before you make your first purchase actually slow down and just be like, do I want to make this? Am I comfortable with it? And if it goes to zero, am I okay with it, right? I'll give you a real example. I bought a bunch of Yetis, (laughs) okay? And they all went to zero, right? But I had five Yetis, all went to zero. But you know what I used the Yetis for ultimately, Tiffany? I, um, when I wanted to onboard people and show them what it was like to transfer between wallets, I just kept on transferring the Yetis around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Making that's like
0: me and like four Crypto Kitties. And I think Alexis also has like a bunch of Crypto Kitties because we got Crypto Kitties back in 2017,
1: 2018. Oh, mm-hmm. can I tell you the best statement that came out of a conversation in the Time Pieces Discord the other day that I thought was so funny? And you reminded me of it earlier, Tiffany. Somebody started to refer to NFTs based on their mintage. Okay. Not like like oh, it's blinds have cool. vintage. They're like, I have this (laughs) this vintage from 2018. And I was like, that's amazing. I love that. I just thought it was vintage. vintage.
2: (laughs) Mintage. Here's your first. Um,
1: Did I I satisfy Lulu? Is Lulu, are you okay with that answer?
0: Yes, she is. Okay,
1: wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: last question. If you were stuck on an island and you had to bring one NFT, which NFT would you bring?
1: Oh, super easy. I own a FIWO piece called The Day I Learned to Fly. And I love that piece so much. And that would be the piece I bring.
0: That's a great one. FIWO's amazing. amazing. Next big artist. I, I mean, already a big artist.
1: The it's day, the crazy day, to
0: see his trajectory this year.
1: The day, The Day I Learned to Fly. It's, it's, it's. I. I look at that piece sometimes, and I just. I. I I'm just blown away at, at his brilliance.
0: Awesome, well, thank you so much, Keith. This no, was I amazing. Hope
1: this, I thought this was
0: good. We love the stories. It's a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening. At Islands are also hiring. We're looking for a head of engineering, engineers, designers. DM me on Twitter or check out our website islands.xyz if you're interested in joining. But we'll love to see you there. And jump into our Discord. See you all.